Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Cinema the Morning. I'm your host, Chuck Phillips, joined by Justin Morgan and Lexi. And we're continuing to talk about band documentaries this week. Uh, moving, moving back. I think we're actually slowly progressing further, further back with each band. We've done them somehow in reverse chronological order of when the band started, but in chronological order of when these documentaries were released. <laughs> That's really funny. So we're going, going backwards and forwards in two ways. Uh, but we're right in the middle. Uh, and this week talking about the Stooges documentary, Gimme Danger. Which is a fun, it's a, it's a fun little movie. It actually connects to our next movie a lot. It has a lot of the same people being discussed in this film. Yeah. I mean that happens when I guess when you pick band documentaries. Well, yeah, we we picked from the same the same general time frame. Me and me and Justin's are a lot closer to each other than than Lexi's was. But I believe if Ge- I'm not geographically mistaken, and through time. Yeah. David Bowie showed up in this one and the last one, did he not? Yeah. Yeah. So there, yeah, there's the connection. But yeah. no, David Lynch. No, unfortunately. No, we can't can't have him every time. And even if he directed a music video for everybody, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, somehow somehow is, is everywhere all at once. Oh god. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> That's is that your nightmare, David Lynch everywhere all at once? Yeah, his version would be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we get this one uh directed by Jim Jarmish. Who's worked with? Uh, I think he's worked with Iggy Pop on a few different movies before, uh, and I think that's how they I guess that's how they got connected. Which he's an odd individual himself. So I think the thing I enjoy the most about this film is, and I'm I'm assuming most of this comes from Jim Jarmish. Is he he seemed to really enjoy just pulling random video and footage from like stock videos and old Hollywood films to kind of narrate or or kind of visualize the stories that they were telling. I know he pulled like some Three Stooges stuff for, mm-hmm. for that one story and then just pulls all sorts of different stuff together to Well he to was talking to Mo. He was seeing if he could use <laughs> yeah. the name the Stooges. He does it does seem like um Iggy Are Pop there three does of them? make a lot of references <laughs> to film though. So there also seems to be a lot of correlation to like Iggy Pop seems to be a film person. And he seems to make a lot of correlation to that. So I felt like the film references were also references to Iggy Pop as well, and what he was talking about as well. Possibly the venue that they broke that was, like, on the pier, it reminded me of um, Carnival of Souls. Carnival of Souls, yeah, I had the same <laughs> thought, yeah. That was uh, maybe crazy. the music, too, because they were trying to be, like, hip, so they were pay- playing, like, Weren't they playing kind of like the rock music in Carnival of Souls? Yeah. Yeah, yeah probably, yeah. So there it has yeah. its tie-in, whether it's meant to or not. I'm sure it It probably is on purpose. I didn't know he was this old. Like, I didn't know he went back this far. Like, 
I knew he had roots in punk. Like, I knew that to an extent, but I never Billy realized, Iggy like... Pop. Yeah, like, I didn't realize, like, that they were, like, kind of the pioneers of all punk. Like, it all kind of seems to start with them. Like, I knew The Who was definitely influential in punk, but I never realized, like, just how influential this guy was. Like, he kind of almost is, like... Gigi Allen level in a lot of ways, like not as filthy, but like for that time period, like the filthiest thing ever. Like you couldn't imagine like seeing anything like this in the like sixties. Like Jesus Christ! Like I always thought he was an eighties person. Like I didn't know he went that far back. And like when you talking about the this, the the pier that he destroyed, like the music they were playing even in that time period like they were filthy even for that kind of stuff like that 50s kind of like rock music like they were like way 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 like pushing it for that kind of stuff too yeah the documentary starts in like 1930 when Iggy Pop crawls out of a I don't know a tomb or something and then uh, they kind of gloss over the 80s they're not he's not in the 80s long before he's in the 90s and the 2000s already they don't, yeah, they don't talk about his, which I, I, I'm kind of glad they don't really, they almost more or less skip over his solo career. Like, it, they, they really did make a Stooges documentary, not just an Iggy Pop documentary. They all, pretty much don't talk about any of his solo stuff at all, and almost act like he might as well have been dead for two decades before he came back. Like, they basically don't, don't reference any of that stuff, but... Uh, yeah, I, I like his. Uh, there were some. There was a few things that I didn't know before. Like, uh, I like the picture of his his drum riser. He's like, I'll be on the tallest drum riser of all time, and it's just tw- like twenty feet tall, that was so good. like scaffolding that he's just sitting on. He's like, and they all thought I was a jerk because I looked so cool sitting on my giant drum riser above them. You know what? That's a good correlation too. I didn't know that Iggy Pop was a drummer. Like, at all. Like, I had no idea that he was a drummer. And, like, when you look back at the Extra Japan documentary, like, Yoshiki was a drummer, too. So, like, both these bands are I didn't pick that up drummers. that documentary. <laughs> he played the drums. Interesting. You didn't, you didn't notice that in that one? No. Are you all up to date on your Righteous Gemstones? Yes. <laughs> the, the highest riser seem to fit so they you know, we, yeah so we know he's important he's gonna be taller yeah. than everybody else that's how that's how you can tell which yeah i feel like that's even like uh i don't know like a pioneering thing of when you think now of like travis barker that's travis barker's big thing is that his drum set lifts him in the air so he's hanging above the the other guys in the band and the you know tommy lee does that in motley crew like that's but he, he's like the first coaster, one to think about let me put myself yeah, exactly. he was the first one the to say, best, "How can I make myself more important than everybody else on stage?" Oh, I'll lift myself up twenty feet in the air, so I'm the focal point of everyone looking. I don't know, man. But Slipknot's drum pentagram is still like honestly one of the best, even though like the drum roller coaster is like definitely an impressive feat. There's just something about the way Slipknot's is done that just like kind of blows Tommy Lee's out of the water. I'm sorry. There's always there's always gonna be someone doing something cooler at some point, but and that's why you have yeah. to stop being a drummer. That yeah. you, know, <laughs> you don't want to be looking at asses all day. He doesn't want yeah. Well, I did it. Extra extra pants drummer had like the the rising 
pedestal too, like on the clear ones that were all like hovering in the air. So there was that. Why can't it just go back to like the Beatles days where like people didn't care about the drummer? (laughs) He just sat there and just hung out. Have you ever seen on regular show uh, Benson when he does the drum solo stuff? Like he yeah, yeah, I've seen that. that shit's so I don't funny. know Benston. He's the gumball machine <laughs> on the show. He's actually like one of the world's greatest drummers. His drum stuff is great. It's like some of the best episodes of the show. Is he real? He's a cartoon character. Oh, okay. You're like, he's the best in the world, but he's a gumball machine. I'm like, yeah. what? That's one of the best shows ever made, hands down. I have to say, for this documentary, too, I, I've, it felt like Jim Jarmusch. I, I felt like his, like, that, like, wild kind of static style that he has, particularly the end when he starts cutting on the beat of the music. Beyond that, a lot lot of it does feel like... I don't know. I wouldn't say it's not a boring documentary. It's interesting from beginning to end, and I don't think that it overstays its welcome. It's a good good length. Yeah, it's a a good good short one. Uh, But yeah, I I do like some of the... He has some good animated segments, too, for just... Like, Iggy Pop just has the most random stories, like the one where he's pretty sure John Wayne, like, yelled at him while driving down in his Cadillac. He's like, I don't know. I, I thought it was a guy that looked like John Wayne. And he screamed at me and he didn't seem to like me. I guess I was too dirty for him. <laughs> I'm and pretty sure it was John Wayne, yeah. It was probably about that time. Then they, like, cut the, which, yeah, I enjoy when they cut the, like, something, uh, one of his, one of his westerns. I can't remember if it's true. I don't think it's true grit. It's, like, one of the other ones that about talking about like you're a low down dirty varmint you (laughs) like i'm sure that's exactly how john wayne felt when if he saw iggy pop on the street in the in the 60s it's probably like oh these dirty hippies taking over oh yeah he he would have hated him i liked whenever they were on tour and they were like sick and tired of playing their early stuff so they were like we're only playing new shit and then everybody (laughs) was fucking mad at them because they're like no one can sing along with us yeah, is that quote from Johnny Ramone? It's like, like a bunch of losers played all the new stuff. I didn't understand it. It's interesting how it starts with their end. Like the whole documentary starts with the end of their career, essentially. It talks about how like they all basically become homeless after their careers end. Well, a lot of their careers ended because people died. <laughs> Like, that one guy, he's, like, working in Silicon Valley, he said, for, like, 30 years, and then he got a call to if he could come back and do some more Stooges songs with him. That was so interesting. His intro, their intro into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was pretty good, too. It's his notes where he's just like, I am cool. And Rock is cool. I'm like, this is the best <laughs> speech of all time. I like where they filmed some of the guys too. Like, uh, yeah, the the one guy, the their second guitarist, James Williamson, is like in a bathroom the whole mm-hmm. time. I'm pretty sure is where they were filming him. Like, he's holding his guitar, he's got an amp, but he's just sitting in the bathroom. Next, for all yeah, of he's his next interviews. to a sink. 
Yeah. Yeah, you can see. Yeah, you can see the sink and the mirror in the background, and I'm like, what? Are they at his house? Like, is that just like the only? Were they like, where's a quiet room where like your family won't bother us? Like, uh, probably the bathroom. Guess what? Just sitting there for hours. He's like a hoarder. It's the only clean room in the whole house. They're like, and it, yeah. We recorded our first album by going to like, what was it an abandoned house in Detroit, and basically sitting in it and doing LSD and like beating on different things and seeing like what kind of sounds we could make and achieve as we like fucked around with different stuff and like tried to see like what we could like like come up with and like he was like i'm the only one that had any like culture when it came to music and understanding of it so i was like coming in with all these different like albums and i would make them listen to like this stuff and like on LSD all the time, like they were like, who was that one musician they were like, we very specifically listened to, it was that guy who like, was very complicated like, percussion stuff, like a lot of like, simple work and like, oh yeah, they, yeah, they were like into, they yeah. play like jazz records and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that, yeah, and, and I was like, I was sitting there and I was listening to it and I was just like, god, I'm so jealous, I'm like, this is the life I want to live, <laughs> I'm like so fucking jealous, it like, sounds like so fucking awesome. All I want to do is just sit around and on LSD and like. I mean, come he up even with has like this art. great white whale, which is the uh, the sound that the factory machinery makes. Oh, it's pressing yeah. metal. That's it's pressing yeah. metal, yeah. He just, he's like, like, oh, yeah, if I could only make that, that sound. <laughs> kind of reminds me of uh, Dancer in the Dark, where she like hears the sounds of music and the machinery. Sounds like a delightful time. It stars Bjork. If I'm, if I'm going by any of the rest of his films, I'm sure it's super happy. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll have us cover it. It's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do love the the callback to that. Uh, like you were saying, like at the end when he starts cutting the music and he and he does throw in like the sound of the the sound of the machine press is yeah. like hitting on every note. Like he like he, when he brings that back. Yeah, I don't, it seems like that's that's like a common theme uh, for that type of music. It does come out of like industrial towns like that a lot. Like it's yeah, you know, everyone's like, oh yeah, Detroit's like where all these big rock bands come from, and they even guys in the future like Jack White's from Detroit, and he you can tell you can tell just by listening to a, a single White Stripes album that they probably love the Stooges. Oh, yeah. Clearly going for that very simple simple sound. Uh, but you get in like other places, like it's everyone, every big metal band from the UK all comes from Birmingham, which is like a big industrial center in that country where you get like Black Sabbath from, who would have been coming up around the exact same time of, so is it just being around those loud machines, it just makes people think like, God, if only I could just make this sound and put it on record, my life would be complete. I don't know why I can't think of his name, I can think of his Murder City Madman, but uh. One of the greatest guitar players. Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent, one of the greatest guitar players to ever live. Terrible fucking person, but greatest yeah, guitar player. It happens sometimes. Like, I mean, absolutely phenomenal, but one of the greatest. Detroit musicians. also gave us Kid Rock, so you know they're not. They don't always do their best work. But they give it and they take it away. Yeah, yeah sometimes, yeah. sometimes they give us good stuff and sometimes yeah, they don't. Some of that early Kid Rock stuff's actually surprisingly good. I don't know what the fuck happened there either. It's the same thing. Like, He's probably drinking too much Bud Light, and it got to his head. I guess. What was the joke with him in Silicon Valley? He was like the opening act for the whole show. Hey, 
They can't drink Bud Light anymore. Transgender people supported it, remember? Now they, now they have to shoot it with AK-47. <laughs> yeah, that's how he drinks it. Yeah. Just chugs it right out of the bullet holes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with hate. Pure It's hate. not gay at all. He shoots the jugs <laughs> and then he drinks out the holes. <laughs> And yeah, he, this he did that song with Cheryl Crow, right? That's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah he has that song. Yeah. yeah. And I cried. However, yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is uh Yeah, every once in a while, maybe like in today's times, you might get it, but I feel like we haven't had it in a long time of uh, something like the Stooges coming out. Of it's just a completely new type of music. Well, they gave us like, the that, that's just like, That's just like the world. Yeah, I mean, there's every <laughs> once in a while you get you get some weird stuff coming I, out. But. ICP, they came from Detroit. Yeah, that's true. But we said the trash too. We're still we're still trying. <laughs> yeah, we're still trying to figure out how those magnets work. They're still trying to they're still trying to learn. Is that, that is that their best song of all time? It is. It 100 percent. No, is. no, chicken hunting. It's miracles. Who's going chicken hunting? Who's going chicken hunting? <laughs> I gotta agree with Chuck. Actually, I gotta agree with Chuck too. I mean, Eminem's from Detroit. Yeah, there's he's some good. good stuff. <laughs> yeah, they're like there's great stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, there's good stuff that comes out of Motown. I mean, all of Motown. You know, you really like not to like keep talking about Detroit, but you really gotta wonder how we as a country could allow that city to have degraded to the state that it's in. Like, no It's not the only one. No, like, I, I just. Somebody saw RoboCop and was like, "Ah, oh, that's what it's going to be in the future anyway. Might as well just give up now." Oh, RoboCop yes, right. nailed it. RoboCop right. knew 100 what it's going to be like. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody told us that that was a, um, like a. Um, that's actually just a future documentary. Yeah, future uh, documentary yeah. Someone <laughs> sent it from the sent it from the future. That's what yeah. it's going to look like, and they're like, "Ah, oh, they might as well just stop now." to watch that city just degrade to what it has. And some of the homes in that city are just absolutely gorgeous and they're just degrading too. It's but you know. Yeah, now when he's not, now it's like, I'm sure we'll see it in more like horror films like how it was in It Follows. Just because it's all dilapidated and everything well, now. They did that one with yeah. the, 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 was it the blind guy? That was all in Detroit. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, that was. Don't breathe. Don't breathe, yeah. yeah. And he's not really blind, he's an actor. <laughs> he was just pretending. Not like that it was just the power of acting. Stephen that Lane. movie was great. That had the greatest uh, like mid film twist of what it was about of all time. Oh my god! He pulls out the turkey base. Like, oh like, man, this is where this movie's I going. Like, oh, okay. I was like, I don't know who made this. They have something wrong with them. And I have a giant collection of films of people who have something wrong with them. And I was like, I'm not buying this one. It's like it's so overly <laughs> gross where he's chasing around with that thing. Yes, it's like this is fucked up. The harness, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, that's Detroit now. Yeah, so that is Detroit that's now. That's what they're that's what they're dealing with apparently. Turkey basters. Yeah. <laughs> Blind guys killing people. So anyway, the Stooges. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just the Stooges. It's all the Stooges. 
Yeah. They were, but yeah, they were. It was real influences, though, were Howdy Doody yeah. and the Three Stooges. He yeah. does, yeah, he does love Howdy Doody, which is, uh, yeah. Iggy Pop just feels like, I feel like he, he, they probably didn't even ask him questions. I feel like Jim Jarvis just turns the camera on and goes, just tell me. And he just start, yeah, he just starts going off. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever watch Howdy Doody when you were a kid? Let me tell you about that. I had the same trailer that was in that Lucy Wall <laughs> Yeah, the Lucy Wall film, yeah. <laughs> he has that, like, weird... He has that great story at the end, though, of, like, the, the like, jock kids that made fun of him for living in a trailer when he was a kid, and, like, they tried to, like, flip it over or something, and he was like, like, yeah, well, you know what? I'm gonna beat all those losers, and I'll be standing on top of their graves someday <laughs> or something, like, looking down yeah. on them, like... I, uh... I always loved Iggy Pop growing up, like as an actor, because I've only ever known him as an actor. I never really knew him as a musician. And like, I remember learning in like my mid twenties, early thirties, that he was a musician. And I was like, oh, okay, I had no idea whatsoever, because I was just so used to seeing him in like movies. Like that was just such a big part of my life is seeing him as that, not a musician. But um. I never really listened to the music, even when I did learn he was a musician, I was like, okay. Like, it wasn't something I went back and went into. So, this was, like, the first time I really sat down and, like, learned about the musician side of him. And I really surprised I didn't know more about this. It seems like I... Why? You don't know everything. No, but I should have been into this more, like, this scene. Because it's very much, like, a huge influence on pretty much most of the music that I listen to. I, like, I remember oh. Jim Jarmusch saying that he was making this movie, that he was making a documentary on the Stooges, and I even remember it being called Give Me Danger, and then Chuck brings it up, and the movie came out in 2016, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, Like I don't even remember it coming out. I totally remember them being like, this is yeah. what I'm, I'm working on right now. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And then I totally forgot that's that what I, yeah, I read that, that he'd been working on it for like 10 years before it came out. So that's that's why he has like like uh, the, the footage ranges from a lot of different times. And isn't even until you get to the end that you learn that like uh, the, one, the only one that I knew for sure, I remembered their original guitarist had died. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty sure the other one of the brothers was dead and I was like yeah I'm pretty sure that guy died too yeah well by the end of the but like as soon as they started showing the the footage of yeah him where it was like he looks like he's he's in Hawaii and it looks uh, definitely it's like 10 years older than the rest of the footage in the film I'm like like oh I'm pretty sure he's the one that's that died for sure because his footage is definitely definitely older and was recorded separately from everyone else's and then yeah, to get to the end they're like oh by the way the other brother and the saxophone player are also dead too and I'm like jeez like everyone died before this movie well, finally when, made it. When made Dave it died, I just like the cut to like <laughs> R.I.P. Dave. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. Dave. I was like, all right. Yeah, he's yeah, he's the only one that does, that doesn't. There's no interviews of him at all. But yeah, yeah, when it's just like, oh, yep, he died. That's what happened. Then we got back together, minus Dave, because <laughs> Dave wasn't there. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'm a little surprised that uh, Iggy Pop is he's older than I thought he was. I didn't realize he was that old or that he was in the business as long as he was. He's almost as old as Ozzy and I'm like, he's been around fucking forever. He keeps his youthful glow by, uh, because he was rubbing peanut butter on himself for years. Yeah. 
Probably yeah. kept his skin nice and tight. The heroin might have helped, too. Actually looked yeah, really yeah. good for his age. Like, shockingly good, considering. I mean, even the pictures of him as a kid, he did not look... He looked real, like... He looked like he was starving himself or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he picked the fight with the, the what, biker gang. <laughs> they, like, beat the shit out of him. Well, I mean, they, they definitely... It seems like his, uh... His parents got him his drum set, and then they lived in a tiny trailer, so I don't think they could afford much. So maybe that was just like a, one of those, like, he just never, never was actually eating very much. I thought it was so funny when I was watching him, and I was like, God, he has such nice teeth. I was like, God, his teeth are nice. And I was like, those can't be real. And then he's like, one time oh, yeah, I yeah. jumped off the then... stage, and I drove my tooth through my fucking lip. And I was <laughs> like... Yep, his teeth are definitely fake. <laughs> well, they showed him later on the tour, and he didn't have any teeth. Like, I think it was like a year or two later, and his teeth were still missing. But yeah. So it's just like, yeah, those are definitely fake. I invented yeah. stage diving. His, his, his invention of stage diving, which it's like, you know, sometimes people caught me, and sometimes they didn't. <laughs> I guess that's what happens when you're trying a new thing, and not everyone's like, oh, oh God, he looks like he's about to jump at us. <laughs> I guess we should all get out of the way. I would almost rather have the band jumping into the crowd than, like, when you're watching a show and some dude, like, usually just get kicked in the head. You're like, what the hell's happening? And there's a person <laughs> crowd surfing behind you. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that, that started with them in terms of uh, uh, almost anything that you can think of, like, from a punk rock show. But then, it, like, they even showed some of their stuff from, like, the 60s when they were playing. They were like, yeah, we, we'd play for, like the local school dance or something like that and like none of the people there look like they're they're like they're, they probably all just sitting there like oh god why are, why are they playing so fast it makes me think of uh walk hard when he when he gets to his cocaine years and he's like yeah. what are you doing singing like some sort of punk <laughs> he's like it's got to be faster you got to play faster i mean there's a lot of variety and and they're pretty good at it too for them being like sounding like they faked learning their instruments like they formed the band before they even knew how to play anything remember when they they met up with those girls and they're like they were way better than us but yeah, they probably they had a band and we said we do too <laughs> and they could all play their instruments and they were actually really good about it so i was like listen guys we gotta be more serious from here on out yeah, I, yeah. I love, I love how they cha they've rotated like band members playing instruments a lot too, which is like a weird thing for, for a group. Like it's, it starts off with Iggy's the drummer, and then he has to teach, the one brother Scott to play drums, and then he teaches him. The other one plays bass, but then he switches to guitar, and the other guy Dave, uh, Dave Alexander comes in and he plays bass. Then after he dies the one brother switches back the bass and the other guy comes in on guitar so the fact that they just like swapped back and forth then when they reformed they got the uh, mike watt from the minutemen to play bass so then he switched back the guitar it's like a talentless foo fighters <laughs> where, where they're just like swapping around their instruments but like none of them are good at it <laughs> Hey, you don't have to be good. That's why. That's what punk's all about. Yeah. I like how um, Iggy Pop's like, I learned in school, what was that about, like, something about, like, sentence structure, and he's like, so, 
no song should be more than like 15 words or something like that. So all their songs. No, that no, he learned that from uh, he learned that from Howdy Doody too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He said that one guy was like, every time you write me a letter, kids, like make sure it's no longer than 35 words or something. 15. Yeah, yeah, something short. And he was like, he's like, that's that's how every song should be. It shouldn't be more than more than fifteen. I'm not words. reading these stupid ass letters from these kids. Yeah, you know that's exactly what it was like. Like, yeah, no, no, like ten pages there. Maybe like one, one or two sentences. Right. How did you do? He taught him a lot. Taught him how to rock and roll. He did. Taught him how to perform on stage. <laughs> Which makes a lot of sense. Cause Howdy Doody was pretty bad. He's like, you gotta be as unpredictable as Howdy Doody. I used to have some old Howdy Doody Was it Clarabelle? Who's the clown's name? Clarabelle. Yeah, Clarabelle the clown. Clarabelle's the more that they troll. The more that they trolled people, the more he was into it. Yeah. See, it sounds like a band I would make. Me and Chuck have a band. Yeah. Yeah, we're Five Button Jimmy. Yeah. We're just like the Stooges. We're just like, you know, one day you'll hear something from us, but, you know, yeah. until then. This sounds like a, like, really bad, like, 2010, like, cult, cult band. That would be the coolest band ever. Just synthesizers. Yeah, that's us. And a drummer. Yep. Kind of like like. No instruments, a real instrument. Like twenty-one pilots, yeah. but like not as good. Better. Well, maybe we're not the best until we be- become neo-gothic industrial wastelands. When we become wow. that band, <laughs> that's when we've peaked and we're actually that's, good at. That's the real. Yeah, that's the real high. I think our band was alternative punk and metal core or something like that. Neo Gothic Industrial Wastelands is better. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And they're touring with Five Button Jimmy. <laughs> Which really band. sounds like any show that you would see nowadays, anyways. We had a ska band called uh, Morphine Pineapple. It's not that good. Those are just two words. Scott bands don't need all. Like Scott bands need the most ridiculous names. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's it's always like it's like happy boy good time. You're like what? <laughs> We're the happy good time band. <laughs> then you just hear that saxophone. You're like oh, all right. <laughs> I, I don't hate ska. I can't stand sometimes. Ska. Sometimes you're in a mood for it. No, never. There's never a bad time it. for ska. No, it's not bad. No, ska. Yeah. Ska is the music that plays <laughs> in a 12-year-old child's head when they're told they're getting an extra serving of cheese sticks. Exactly. <laughs> and that's a feeling I need. Yeah, that might be a great analogy, and also <laughs> that gets cool if that's what music's going on in their head. <laughs> yeah. I don't. 
kind of like has tropical vibes to it. It's nice. Too much wind. Yeah, I can't deal with anything about much wind. Closest thing to ska I'll do is like a No Doubt and a little bit of a Sublime. Then you haven't lived. Oh, I've lived. I lived through the 90s. The ska revival. Uh, we were alive in the 90s too. Yeah, then you dealt with all that real big fish. No, we didn't get big fish until uh, 2004. All those covers. 2003. I think you are quite wrong on the real big fish there. Let's say late 90s, early 2000s. Big fish is 2003. Real big fish? Just big fish. You're talking about the fucking movie. I'm talking about Ewan McGregor, big fish. Yeah, I'm talking about the Scott band. Anyway. That I'm not wrong. I hate you more than mine. <laughs> I'm meditating on the movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I we didn't really cover. I, I thought it was interesting. I like that Iggy kind of let it, and I do have that vibe that Jarmish got him in a good place to just, like, have him go off, go crazy. Like, he's sitting on a chair at one point, and he's, like, playing with his bare foot while he's talking. <laughs> yeah. He looks like he's, like, holding hands with his foot. Yeah, he's just very comfortable, you know? So yeah. He's just letting all the stories get out there. Yeah. I think, yeah, the they, they were a band that kind of, uh, I guess they were a little ahead of their time and couldn't really uh, keep this keep that thing going, which is why they failed and everyone had to go back home. Well, I also uh, like how they're like, sometimes we were on time. Sometimes we didn't. Sometimes we were late. Sometimes we yeah, didn't show yeah, up Yeah, towards, towards the end when everyone was on heroin and it was like, yeah, sometimes we just didn't feel like showing up. And then they, they have like that recording and... You can t- there's like no bass to it at all and they're like yeah that was the one where uh, Dave was so high that he just uh, he just completely left didn't play bass at all so it was just it was just guitar drums and vocals I like when they they turned off his mic because he was singing so terribly they're like uh, yeah, just play yeah. Music. He d- yeah they're like he didn't even notice he didn't even notice it wasn't on I like how they when they, they would start too and they're like Iggy's out in the audience and he's uh like pumping them up and we're just repeating the same beat until he's like yeah, ready to I just have to keep going until he gets back on stage it's like and 20, singing 20 again. 30 minutes of strumming before before <laughs> he gets up and starts singing with everybody else yeah how, how he somehow managed to turn his the, his life into a career I thought it was really interesting how uh, their labels completely fucked them after they made their recordings like they basically didn't give them airplay and they made it really hard for them to succeed, so they might have had greater success with their albums, but the label also kind of made sure they didn't have any success, because Bowie was certainly interested in them, and there was a lot of interest from other musicians, which it seems like we have another extra fan thing kind of going on here, where other musicians were more interested in them. What did Bowie call it? Like the new American wave or something? Yeah. He was absolutely fascinated in them, so. And then he goes in, to work with them, and he's, uh, what was it, uh, Iggy Pop's like, 
Yeah, I don't like this musician. We're gonna bring my guy in. What about this guy? And then by the end of it, he basically brought his entire band in. <laughs> so, so it was like, he's not even gonna work with the musicians that Bowie gave him to work with, essentially. I wouldn't have worked with him either. And then they ended up recording, like, the greatest album they ever recorded. Just being in London and fucking around, essentially. I do like when you get to this, like, it happens in this documentary, too. But they get to the point where they're, like, they basically were locked up by the studio, like, in the studio, like, dude, you don't leave until you make an album. They probably never show up on time. They're, like, locked the doors. They don't get out of there. I also liked how they, they sucked at playing their instruments until Iggy was dancing. He's like, I gotta be in the room dancing. Uh, or they aren't. They're not going to be able to play their instruments. He's just there for the vibes. Yeah. Chuck, what were you saying before you got cut off? You sound really into it. You're like, well, I. And then it was just like, bop, gone. Lost it now. No. It's been too long. Yeah, it's okay. Did you at least get it out when you were before you dropped or? Yeah, you should have just kept uh, talking yeah, about probably. it. I, I think <laughs> I probably fin- I at least finished my sentence. That's good. Okay, I'll keep it. It's there. Sentence, you, so. Yeah, okay. figure figure it out when you when you working on this. I guess. That's good. That's good. I I, t- see, I took the timestamp to kind of like just cut out this huge chunk when we weren't speaking. So Chuck, what made you pick this documentary other than the fact that Jim Jarmusch directed it? That might be the reason. <laughs> There's a pretty good reason. No, I just picked it because it was one I hadn't seen before. Are you a Stooges fan? I am. Okay. I wouldn't say they're my favorite band. Like they're not. They're not one that I'm like obsessed with or anything like that. But. But you enjoy them, and they do have a documentary. So. Yeah, that was that was basically the criteria at that point. Was <laughs> do I like this band, and do they have a documentary? Yes, and yes. Okay. Yeah, you had the hardest time coming up with the movie. I, I was like, I don't know, don't like stop making sense or something. There's like so many weird things. There was a, a trailer I saw for an Aaron Carter documentary. I was like, yeah, do the Aaron Carter one. Well, see, I thought you guys would pick like bands you like, like music that you like. So like, I thought you. Would they don't all have documentaries. That's totally fair, but I still thought you guys. That's the would, biggest problem. I thought it'd be easy for you to be like, oh, I'll just pick a band I like. So. I didn't think you'd think about it from like a filmmaking standpoint. I thought you'd think about it from a, oh, I'm just going to pick a band I like standpoint. So I didn't think about it that way. But, uh, what's your favorite Stooges album? Probably their, well, not, I was about to say their last one, not really their last one. Their last, uh, their last one from their original, original lineup. The Yeah, the one they recorded in, in the UK. Raw I was going to say Raw Power. Raw Power sounds like it's a yeah. badass album, like, from what I've gathered from it. Looks like it's pretty decent. Are you familiar with the Metal Justin? Have you listened to the Stooges fan at all? Or? I wouldn't say that I'm a huge fan. Of, well, not not something that I've like regularly listened to, but I did like what they were playing a lot. And uh, Iggy Pop was like on... Unfortunately, it sounds 
make me sound like a child or something, but like the VH1 shit, you know? Yeah, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> just like, like I don't know. Maybe he's just deprived of talking to people, and they just always are like, you know, one guy that won't shut up, Iggy Pop. We should do a documentary about him. <laughs> But no, I, I liked it, and what I was seeing was actually pretty similar to the, kind of the punk, the local punk shows and stuff that we grew up watching. You know, you go to some old rundown church, and you were seeing the same dumbass shit. Like, we've seen people hit in the head with glass bottles, so you know, it all tied it tied together. But yeah, like I said, we do have those. Uh, there are those connections to the the next film we'll be talking about, which is yours, Justin, the Velvet Underground, where uh, Lou Reed and John Cale from that band are brought up. Well, John Cale produced one of their albums, their first one, and then they got involved with Lou Reed with David Bowie. They have that connection, so. Yeah. It's Bowie. This whole month is Bowie's just bringing it all together. <laughs> Bowie, yeah. It's a secret. Uh, we do that. What is it? Is it Montage? What's his new one? Dreams or something? Dream. Yeah, that's... Yeah, it's going into the Criterion Collection, so... We really should have had that movie as our fourth uh, documentary, I guess. We'll get to it next time. It starts with David Bowie, like a quote where he's like, all he ever liked three bands, and it was the Velvet Underground to keep up and extra band. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> hey, you've got good taste. Bowie's good. I, I like Bowie. I I tried really hard to get into Bowie because when when I was a goth kid in the nineties, like. Bowie has a lot of crossover in that scene, and I got really into like Nine Inch Nails. And I had the Lost Highway soundtrack, and Bowie has a lot of shit on that. And so I tried to get into like older Bowie and stuff, and it never hit with me the way it did a lot of other people. But um, oh, I guess I it ties in a little bit there because he does. Yeah, you're right. He worked with David Lynch a lot. He was in a Twin lot Geeks, of David so. Lynch. Well, and he works with Trent Reznor a ton. So there's a lot of crossover with that too, and then Trent Reznor works with David Bowie a lot. So there's a lot of crossover there too. Yeah, I saw a new trailer for like some Zendaya movie, and uh, it's a Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross album. Oh, beautiful score! What? Those are the best scores. Those are such good scores. Can't ask for a better score, honestly. Like, like seriously, <laughs> it's like a menage a trois tennis movie. I love, I love when old school goth artists start making soundtracks. Your Danny Elfman's, your Trent Reznor's, your Junkie XL's, they make the best soundtracks, hands down. But who's better? Danny Elfman or Trent Reznor? They're both have their own distinct style though yeah they definitely do but i think elfman stands out uniquely like you're like that's an elfman soundtrack i can't i think 
I can pick out a Resner soundtrack, but I don't know if everybody can necessarily, whereas I feel like everybody can pick out an Elfman. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think there's some scores that sound like they could be something that Chesner, like, wrote up. But yeah. Elfman's always, like, very... I, there's not anybody that I heard that's, like, specifically him. I don't know what he does, but... Like, I, I just watched before The Flash. I just rewatched Batman, so... And I'm hearing the music, and it's like... It, there's still things in the Batman theme, because it's Danny Elfman, that, like, carried over into that Spider-Man theme. For yeah. Like, it's Spider-Man. Yeah. It's like you can hear... It's like you can still hear the same riff of music in both of them. Well, and he also I did feel the like theme that song. Was the worst. Go ahead. That, that was the worst part of the new Flash film was whenever they started doing the the theme from Are the you sure? film, I was like, I was <laughs> It's like, the worst like, part. Oh. No, I said that was the best part. Oh, that's the best part. I would yeah. have rather well, no, have had... the, no, I would I would say I would say the worst part was that that made you realize that the rest of the soundtrack was so forgettable Jeez. and <laughs> And not good that like when that music started playing, I was like, "Oh, I like this music." Hey, like, they had white they've been stripes. Playing music so... for like the last two hours. Yeah. <laughs> so they they bring up they bring the Burton. Not white stripes. The uh, uh, his other band, the Rake on Tours. Oh. What? Uh, or were they both Jack, in it? Maybe. Jack White. I don't know. Yeah, Jack White in general. I, I just heard like Jack White Griffin. <laughs> um, he probably has more bands than we know of. Did they have? Did they? Uh, did they have the Burton? Uh, Batman score in Flash. Yeah, it's oh, like okay. a riff of it. That's cute. Yeah, I, I enjoyed I it. I enjoyed it. I, I do want to see Batgirl now. Like, just let me. Like, they keep leaking like footage. It's probably their plan to get it released somehow. Oh, their tax breaks with it. Yeah, they cut it out. You can tell that they recreated scenes like in the top of the. Uh, the cathedral or whatever they're in at the end of Batman 89. I don't know. Maybe there's just a lot of time jumping. We're in a weird spot where like movies are like, you know what? There's multiverses, so hey, we can do anything we want. <laughs> we can we can have any character or any version of a character that we want. It's so I, I just want to say, I watched everything everywhere all at once, and the idea that they want to give those guys franchises is just simple. Like, let them keep free-forming films, and just give them money, and let them bring their imagination. To yeah, them. they need to like, do another Daniel Radcliffe, Paul Dano movie. Uh, that movie, you know what, like, I don't like that movie, but I also tell everybody to watch that movie because it's one of the most interesting original films I've ever seen. Like, it's just so interesting. I'm like, yeah, you should watch it. I'm like, it's weird as fuck. And, but, like, I don't know. They're, they just need to be allowed to be able to create this idea that you want to hand them. Uh, they could do big studio movies now. They have two original movies. That's more than most people. Just let them keep going. Most, most people have game. one indie hit and then all these big tenfold movies. Like, genuinely, like, that was one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Outside of, like, whatever. Like, genuinely good film. Look up the quote between uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and um, uh, 
uh, trying to think of the guy. Who played the penguin? Just played him. Oh, uh, Colin yeah, Farrell. Colin Colin Farrell. Sorry, he's gonna Colin. Show. Yeah, there's a interview. It's like some actors on actors thing, and it's Colin Farrell and Jamie Lee Curtis, and he's just like, "How did you do the rock thing? Were they like animated?" And she's like, "No, I don't think they were animated." And he's like so <laughs> confused. He's like, "What were they?" And she's like, "They're just rocks." <laughs> He couldn't, like, grasp his head around how they pulled off the rock scene. Really? <laughs> it's good. That's so fine. Yeah, wow. his, his memory of it is completely different than how it is in that movie. We'll, we'll have to cover that on here, for sure. Like, to actually talk about that. But, uh, when we do our multiverse movies. Oh, God. Is that, is that a multiverse? I guess it's a multiverse. It is a multiverse, yeah. Yeah. We could try to do obscure uh, multiverse. I, I don't even have anything off the top of my head. Jet Li's the one. <laughs> <laughs> what else is there? I mean, is a multiverse movie you're you're okay. not wrong. I'm just like, oh god. <laughs> premise of, of the one is is not bad. It's Actually, the premise is probably better the than the movie, movie is. Ever. It's so bad. The movie looks so cool, too. Like, the trailers for like, man, this movie looks so awesome. Like, they showed every good part of the trailer and they were all in the first five minutes of the movie and the rest of the movie was shit. Wasn't the end him in jail fighting everybody? That's a pretty good final shot. Ah, uh, no. The best part was when he, like, comes through the portal and fights everybody outside of, like, a prison bus or something. And, like, that was about it. I don't know. That, that was, was a weird period for Jet Li. Yeah. That was, like, his time. downfall. And then he was in that terrible movie War with Jason Statham, and both of them basically almost had their careers destroyed by that movie. Yeah. Now he's an expendable, I think. That new Expendables looks good, and it's got 50 Cent, and I'm super excited about that. God, you'd get along with Chuck's mom so well. Like, because we both love 50 Cent? Yep. Well, he gets What was that movie? You made us see Den of Thieves? Yeah. <laughs> Den of Thieves is like, what the hell? Their escape is so funny to me, and, the, and that's... Like, all well, it's no, it's no notorious. <laughs> Notorious was terrible. No, Notorious was pretty good. Nah. Get rich or die trying and 8 Mile. Those are the way to go. All day. 8 Mile was good. 8 Mile was excellent. I wish Eminem would do more acting. I think even wa like watching this documentary and just like that short bit where they have all the record covers for like who was playing with them and then who was influenced by them. It's like a lot of these bands are like, oh, I would love to see a documentary on this band, but sometimes they're just, I don't know, they're not good. Right. And you could pick a, a shitty band or a band you don't even care about and documentary could be excellent. Yeah. Like, so uh, kind of my point with this, I'm like, I've seen some really, like, bands that I don't give a shit about, and I've seen some documentaries on them, and they've been absolutely fascinating. You're like, 
had no idea this band was so interesting. Yeah. I was like, I watched this, like, four-hour documentary on the Eagles once, and it was pretty fucking good. And I was just like, I don't give a shit about the Eagles. I, I don't like that band at all. I can't stand them. And I think I know the documentary you're talking about, and their story is fascinating. Like, actually, they've gone through a lot of shit to get where they were. So, Chuck, wasn't there some other documentary you would have done if it wasn't long, uh, wasn't so long? Wasn't it the eight-hour Yeah, The Grateful Dead. How long is that? And what's it called? Long Strange Trip. It's like seven hours. It's a mini series. Oh, that is a long strange trip. Yeah. You're Once again, is a deadhead. Not a fan of the Grateful yeah. Dead, but I would absolutely watch that. Jerry Garcia was an interesting individual. Sometimes I just think it depends on the documentary, the documentarian, like whoever's making it. I guess. That too. Did you get like I want to? I still want to see that one that Edgar Wright did. I don't even know if the band is real. What is it? What is that one? The Sparks. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Martin Scorsese does like 500 um, documentaries on music, some musician at some point. Yeah. I feel like that, yeah. Doesn't he have like two of them for the Rolling Stones? Yeah. He does. Uh, I he don't know. If George he's, Harrison one. Yeah. He's got George Harrison. He has a Bob Dylan one. And he definitely, yeah, he's got the Stones one. And then he did uh, The Last Waltz, which is just kind of like a bunch of people. Doesn't he have two Bob Dylan ones, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, I don't think he did another Bob Dylan one. There's a lot of Bob Dylan, and actually almost all of those have been good that I've watched. The Beatles, too. There's always a new fucking Beatles documentary. Like, the Peter Jackson one was great. I'm like, he... I, I can't complain. It was probably one of the better documentaries I've seen because it was just them working together to record this, like create this album. And a lot of things you don't get to see that. It's just kind of like just going through the motions and periods in their life, which is what Gimme Danger did. But I just oh, wow. felt like if you get enough personal stories uh, and it becomes interesting no matter what, like. Right. Even when it steps away from the band aspect, it goes into like how they they grew up. I'm surprised. Isn't there a documentary about the Beastie Boys? I thought you would have picked like that. We already did. We already it. did. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but like, I'm pretty sure Spike Jones directed that. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but it's kind of yeah. like a weird seminar. And, uh, what, well, it didn't go over well with you and James. Well, like, you, I think you liked it. You just weren't ex- too excited. I, I thought it was, it was good. Just one that was hard to, it, was, it was just one of those ones that falls into, like, it was hard to talk about because it's a lot of, it's a lot of, like, yeah, and then they were on stage and they were talking about this song, and then they were on stage and they were talking about this song. Like, it was just, it's one that it's, it's a better, it's better to watch than to talk about. But I think yeah, I think James just didn't care about the Beastie Boys at all. Yeah. They uh, they also weren't as comfortable to opening up, I think, and talking. And I think Spike like they did their book, and they were comfortable with the book. And I think they were pretty good with their audio book, even though they didn't do, you know, most of it was celebrity uh, narrators for different chapters. Really, the book and the audio book, they're both worth checking out. But um, when they're on stage for the uh, Beastie Boys story, you can definitely tell that 
they did three sets, I think, like one in Philly and two in New York, so they could like intercut them. Uh, I guess to try to make it, I don't know, more natural feeling. Right. You could you could just tell that they're not the mo- they're they're just not comfortable in that environment on stage. Like they're fine with people, but to just be up there and be like, okay, we're gonna talk about our life. There's a documentary that. I want to talk about, like I said, I want to, like, cover the subject of, like, documentaries about, like, music as a whole, and, uh, it's about, like, uh, black metal, it's probably one of the best documentaries I've ever seen, that one's really interesting, but that one talks about, like, talks about a bunch of bands, so that one's, like, a lot different, but I'd love to see a documentary about just mayhem, and, that could be really good, but I don't know how that would go now, because, like, a lot of the members of that band are dead. <clears throat> they uh, made a recreate bio- them with AI. They did a biopic recently about, um, Euronymous, and, um, what's his name? Kieran Culkin played, uh, Euronymous in it, and it was fucking incredible. Really Which one is he? Is he the Play- one from Succession, or is he the one from Scream? Uh, Succession. Succession. Yeah, okay. <laughs> There's so many McGalkins going around. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, he's really good. He's excellent. That movie was really good. They, people complained about They're it. Actually, all, actually, all of them are pretty yeah, good. Okay. Even Macaulay Culkin's still good when he pops back up. Oh, I love him. I'm actually a fan now. I didn't like him when I was a kid, but I like him. You didn't like Home Alone and Home Alone 2? I never liked them. When I was a kid, I never liked them. And then, and then you're in school, and they're like, okay, we're going to watch a movie in class today. Are you all excited? Everybody's like, yay, we're going to watch Home Alone. I'd be like, fuck. God damn it. And everybody in the class would be like, yay. And, oh, fuck me. I don't want to watch this again. I hate this fucking movie. That was, and those are the good home alums. What the hell? I, I saw that shit in the theater, and I was like, I hated this. And I was the only kid that left that theater, like, disappointed. <laughs> I just never liked live-action shit when I was a kid. Like, if it was animated, I always liked it. But when it was live-action, it never really, like, hit me. It's, like, so hit and miss with me with, like, live-action. What did you think about the animation in this movie? Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but there was like a Nickelode- Nickelodeon, Nick at Night, or something they did. Um, not Nick at Night, it was still the kids' thing. Uh, they had like this animation for this girl. I can't remember what her name was. And it was like photos, and they'd like make the photos move around, and that's that's kind of what I think. Of Angela Anaconda? Anaconda. Yeah, Anaconda. yeah, yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm thinking we about. Like, we, like, caught that, like, instantly. Or, like, the animation. I was animation. pretty sure I knew what he was talking about as soon as he started. I was like, yeah. oh, I know where he was going. I was like, I was like pictures. That's Angela. Yeah, or uh, Monty Python and the Search for the Holy Grail. or That that animation that yeah. they have in there for a little bit. <laughs> That's what they're minding That's all I have to say. I can't think of anything else I have to say about the documentary. What's next week? That was enough for you. 
Uh, next week is The Velvet Underground. It's about this band, The Velvet Underground. Andy Warhol. Who? Right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah, I guess that, that was that was the other... forgot there was even more references to, to The Velvet Underground because yeah. Andy Warhol and Nico are both both referenced in this film which I do I, that that was another one of my favorite stories of <laughs> Andy Warhol told me maybe I should just read what they print in the newspaper and like maybe one day I will but <laughs> yeah yeah like that was his big contribution to my to my art was I should just and, read the newspaper and it sucked Andy, worst Andy, advice ever Andy Warhol <laughs> is one of my favorite artists uh Andy Warhol is buried very close to me really I can walk there. It's like less than a minute drive to his grave. If I walked, I gotta cross a busy street. Ten minutes? I don't know. If I come visit you, you'll have to take it. Yep. You can't miss it. And I think his um, his birthday is like August sixth or something like that. And I always forget until I'm like driving by and there's like hundred people like up by his uh, gravestone. Putting, putting soup cans down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Soup well, they have a, at the Andy Warhol Museum, they have a uh, live feed of his tombstone, too, which is weird. Do they really? Oh, that's amazing. No, that's, yeah, pe- people have tried to weird. do stuff on the tombstone and they uh, had to cut the feed. Like, that makes perfect sense. Like, Andy Warhol having a live feed of his tombstone. Yeah. Think of the guy who films, like, people sleeping for like nine hours and like yeah it totally makes sense not even a question yeah andy warhol the filmmaker yeah it's like yeah it's just gonna go on forever like we're talking the guy who started the trend of like way too long 12 to 13 hour long films like yeah my favorite artist all day one of my Never actually listened to it all the time. Well, I, I picked the documentary because it seemed to be well received. So, so you also did not pick on I did not see it, no. <laughs> uh, it's in the Criterion Collection. That's how I have it. And uh, it's made by Apple Television or whatever the hell they're called so I'm sure it's on Apple TV too. Why why did you pick a band for you guys? Uh I would have probably went with a documentary that I liked. There's a lot of documentaries that I do enjoy. But also some of them like I, I loved Get Back by Peter Jackson and I'm like that's a nine hour documentary so uh, I'm not gonna do that to people. And I have a lot shorter ones but like who would it have been about? It'd have probably been about the Beatles or Bob Dylan. I like. I feel like I have several documentaries on my shelf on those two. Oh, no. Maybe I could. Maybe I could have found the good Nickelback documentary or something if I tried hard enough. Well, I, I mean, like, I was like more like a band that you like. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I picked a band that I like. I didn't really care about the documentary's quality. I mean, all my favorites. Uh, like you brought up Beastie Boys, I love Beastie Boys, and we covered it. We did their documentary. Right. Um, beyond that, though, I can't really think of 
like a like a band I love that there's just like a documentary about them. I guess I don't know. It's totally fair. I'm not bad here, Troy. I was just curious. That's all. Because then even like some things like, um, I really like Queen, and I was like, it'd be great if they made a, mo- a movie about Queen, and they did, and it was just okay. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's like, it really was not. It made me want to watch Walk Hard. Like, Walk Hard's, like, the pinnacle right. of band document. You. Like, we should have just did that. You're like, it's not even a, It's just a movie. It's not even right. a documentary. And I'm like, yeah, but it pretty much nails the movie documentary, like, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, the biopic definitely nails that down 100%. I thought there was something else that we watched currently that re- recently that did, uh, I don't know if it was a real documentary or a mockumentary or something, but can you think of anything like the last two years that came out like that? Okay, it's okay. No, I can't. I, I cannot. I I know that we bring up Rock Hard quite a lot on this show. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it a great comes, movie. It comes up quite frequently, so. Oh, no, no, I remember what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the Weird Al movie that they oh, made. Oh, that's Roku. right. Roku. Yeah, yeah. We it's, did it's like, it's funny. It's okay. But, like, just so much of it, it picks apart, like, the t- made-for-TV um, band documentaries. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. it felt very similar to Walk Hard, where Walk Hard was not so much making fun of the documentaries, but making fun of, like, the, the biopics, like Ray and shit like that. It was pretty brilliant. I think it was exactly what Weird Al needed to do for his film. Like, since he makes it's that Daniel music. Radcliffe, he knows the right people to work with. Oh yeah, I love Daniel Radcliffe. He, so far, he can do no wrong. Didn't he do a bad Frankenstein movie? Yeah, but. <laughs> It's fine. He he wasn't the problem. Was it James McAvoy? That's always that's always James McAvoy. All right, uh, that was Gimme Danger. Seemed like a if it's a reference to Gimme Shelter. I know they had their song, but do you think that that was Jarmusch's thoughts when making a band documentary? No. No reference to it whatsoever? No. Okay. That's pretty... I mean, that's fair. I don't know. But yeah, we'll be back next week with the Velvet Underground. We'll have a week off, and then we're going to get in some erotic thrillers. Woo! As we should say. We're going to be talking about how erotic. I just want to be like, like, okay, let's... You picked up a pretty fucked up movie. Let's go over what was wrong with you. Be like a therapy session. But uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.
Real cool time.